Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson, the proud host of this show. On Sports Call with me today, I've got Tom Peavy, Ryan the Voy, and Cam Berry, and we've got a great show planned for you here as we will chat with Brandon Marcello from 24 7 Sports at 3 30 today. Joe Bartle from RotoWire joins the program at 5 15. For the last time this season, we'll provide you a hump day update on those fighting camels. We'll have birthdays in sports, we'll have a nightly TV guide and so much more here on Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. So we're going to dive right in. we got a lot to get to. Hugh Freeze continues to uh, create a lot of chatter as he's been named the new head football coach for the Auburn Tigers. We're starting to see more news about the staff being put together for Auburn football, some guys not being retained, what the roster will look like, and a whole lot more. So we're looking forward to a really exciting edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show today. Auburn women's basketball already a winner they defeated Arkansas Little Rock a lunchtime game for them today as the Tigers won by 22 congratulations to the Auburn volleyball team again as they headed off to Omaha they made the NCAA tournament for just the second time ever in school history so we've got a lot to discuss here on the show we're glad that you were with us and if you want to be a part of the program you can dial in on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 Cam Barry, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Enjoying a great Wednesday, uh, hump day, and uh, just, yeah, enjoying, you know, just continuing to talk about Hugh Freeze. That's awesome for the uh, for the volleyball team, only the second time in, in program history. That's great, and a great win for uh, Auburn women's basketball. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm having a great Wednesday. Tom Peavy, how are you? Doing great. Uh, yeah, same thing. Uh, ready to talk more of the Hugh Freeze stuff but yeah big stuff with the volleyball team big stuff with women's basketball uh, yeah all, the week's off to a good start ready to talk more about it all yeah and also uh, big news from UAB announcing Trent Dilfer being yeah, oh, yeah. their new head coach that's a pretty pretty yep. uh, interesting development I'm very curious to see how Ryan feels <laughs> the, about that uh, the other thing we can't we can't forget to mention is a uh, big game tonight over in Jordan Hare Stadium Yes, Super is, uh, Seven. The Super Seven gets gets underway in the Seven A as uh, our local Auburn High Tigers taking on Thompson at seven p.m. Right now, it's and the where flag can that game football. Be? Oh yeah, that's right. Championship as well. All of Auburn. that can be heard on FM Talk ninety three point nine. Uh, your voice will be heard throughout the week, Tom. Oh, with yeah. Some IDs and return. So yeah, that, that's the reason enough to listen to just Super to hear my Seven vo- coverage just to hear, just to hear, my hear voice. your voice. But yeah, <laughs> Auburn High and Oxford right now flag football state championship right. game 
And then tonight, Auburn High and Thompson in the 7A title game. Tomorrow, there are games at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. and the same for Friday as well. So busy, busy, busy time. Uh, the coaching carousel continues to move forward, like you mentioned, Cam. And just moments ago, UAB officially put out their press release welcoming the new head football coach for their program, Trent Dilfer. So we've got a lot to get to, and there's still one more voice that needs to be heard on today's program. He's uh, from that Birmingham area. His name is Mr. Ryan Lavoy, and he sits inside the studio here with us today. Hello. Yeah, I, I don't think I uh, could have fathomed Trent Dilfer being yeah. a, really a college head coach, but then going to UAB, uh, doing well. Um, obviously, a lot to continue to talk about with Hugh Freeze, as you guys talked about, and we start to get more answers on the staff. No uh, Rock Bell and Tony not returning to the staff, uh, so we'll continue to have to have both guys be confirmed in, confirmed out. Um, but uh, that, I guess, is the latest staff development. But, yeah, as far as my thoughts on uh, Trent Dilfer to UAB, uh, it's a very unique hire. Um, UAB's only had one winning coach in program history, and that was Bill Clark. And so to hire any hire you make is not going to be proven to be Better. successful because, yeah. I mean, the UAB was a terrible program for, you know, ever since they really got in the FBS in the late 90s or in the, in the 90s, uh, they were terrible up until about 2015, 20, uh, well, 2017, 2018 when they came back. So, um, you know, that that being said, I, I don't think just any coach guarantees them success. They, ha- they had a very ambitious search. Uh, they did their due diligence and they uh, looked at guys such as Tom Herman, they looked at Dan Mullen. I thought those would have been incredible hires. Obviously, those two guys did not end up interested. Uh, they looked at Skip Holtz, who had been at Law Tech for a very long time and uh, went to bowl games in five or six straight years, a couple conference championship appearances, uh, and, and to settle and, and then to go a different route with Trent Dilfer. I have zero idea if he will be successful, but what is – what I'm very much a fan of and what I'm excited about as someone that, that uh, supports UAB is that for the maybe for the first time ever, UAB's got a head football coach that when he goes in someone's living room, those kids are going to know who that is. Um, and that is a recognizable yeah. name uh, for UAB to have as they go up into the AAC starting next year. And so uh, Bill Clark was a wonderful developer, wonderful developer, but he never really had big recruiting chops even for Conference USA. And so I'm of the opinion, at the very least, UAB is going to have an opportunity to recruit at a level that they've never recruited at before. Again, does not guarantee success. They are moving into a better group of five conference. Uh, But just that they were ambitious with their hire and the fact that Trent Dilfer, someone that we've seen play in the NFL, even though it was kind of a it was kind of funny to see him play in the NFL and even and a guy that was on uh, ESPN for several years for that guy to take interest and want the UAB job I think that tells you where UAB has come from and so in that respect I'm I'm thrilled that someone that is well known like that values the opportunity that UAB is going to give him so overall uh, I, I can't guarantee success but I am cautiously uh, optimistic and, and, and excited about it Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. If you would like to call in and be a part of the program here with us today, as we move forward here on Sports Call, and as we open up the program, let's celebrate our birthdays in sports. 
It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Indeed it is time for Birthdays in Sports here on November 30th, 2022. Last day of November. Marcellus Wiley turns 48 years old. The former NFL defensive end and current sportscaster played four years of college football at Columbia. First team All-American, first team All-Ivy League in 1997. Drafted 52nd overall in the second round of the 1997 NFL Draft by the Bills. Also played for the Chargers, Cowboys, and Jaguars. A one-time Pro Bowler in 2001. Marcellus Wiley turns 48. Anthony Averett turns 28. An NFL quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, for the Raiders. Turner or played four years of college football at Alabama. Two-time college football playoff national champ. Drafted in the fourth round by the Raiders with the 118th overall pick. Played with Baltimore his first several seasons in the NFL. Anthony Averett is turning 28 years old. Grant Williams turns 24 years old today. The NBA power forward for the Boston Celtics. Played three years of college basketball at Tennessee. Two-time SEC Player of the Year. Not many people have won that award more than once, but Grant Williams did. Consensus first-team All-American in 2019. Two-time first-team All-SEC. Drafted 22nd overall by the Celtics in the 2019 NBA Draft. And a former roommate of my brother, Eli Jackson, uh, Grant Williams, turns 24. Really? That wasn't on the bio. I just added personal details. That's there. cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing <laughs> that one out there. Yeah, he's a, he's a very integral part of what the Celtics do uh, defensively and and good now 3 and D guy. There he is, a Tennessee Vol. Grant Williams turns 24. Uh, Shane Victorino turns 42, the former MLB outfielder, drafted out of high school in the 1999 MLB draft when he was selected in the sixth round by the Dodgers. Made his MLB debut with the Padres in 2003. Also played with the Phillies, Dodgers, Red Sox, and Angels. Two-time All-Star. Four-time Gold Glove winner. Two-time World Series champion. And his nickname? Flying Hawaiian. That's going to be a trivia question, and uh, there you go. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you if you remember what it was, because it's a pretty cool nickname, even though he played for the, a team we just can't stand for a while i host a podcast every day uh uh-huh. and if you watch the show uh-huh and you see the bookshelf back behind me there is a random shane victorino biography in there that's titled the flying hawaiian i think i, I knew can't that, make and this up. that yeah i don't know how I, I don't know how i even came to own said book but uh yeah there in the office. Uh, Shane Victorino turns 42 years old today. He is the Flying Hawaiian. And then Bo Jackson. You know him? He's turning I've heard of 60. That guy. What a last name. Who? The former Auburn and NFL running back and MLB outfielder. Played four years at Auburn. Heisman Trophy winner in 1985. SEC Player of the Year. A two-time consensus All-American. Two-time first-team All-SEC. His number 34 jersey retired by Auburn. He was drafted first overall in the 1986 NFL Draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but played baseball with the Royals instead of signing. A one-time All-Star in 1989, and then drafted again by the Raiders with the seventh-round pick in the 1987 NFL Draft. 
played four years with the Raiders, made one Pro Bowl, and in the MLB, he also went on to play for the White Sox and Angels. Bo Jackson, Bo knows, I can't believe it, 60 years old now. Yeah. Happy birthday to him. It's crazy. I just asked for this uh, really cool Bo Jackson Royals t-shirt for Christmas that I think I hope, that I hope I get. It'll be really <laughs> tough. Boy, oh boy. That is birthdays in sports. He is uh, November 30th, 2022. Marcellus Wiley, Anthony Averett, Grant Williams, Shane Victorino, and Bo Jackson are all celebrating their birthdays today. That's brought to you by Max Credit Union. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with all of your banking needs. All right, we got to take our first time out. Add Jimmy Brumbaugh's name to the list of coaches not retained by Hugh Freeze. Brumbaugh was in attendance of the press conference yesterday supporting the new football coach, but he will not be on staff moving forward. Time out. Your phone calls are next here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Tom Peavy, and Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry here in the studio as well. As uh, we're moving forward here on this Wednesday, in a little over 10 minutes from now, our good buddy Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports will join the program. We're going to talk about Hugh Freeze. We're going to talk about this coaching staff he's putting together. We're going to talk about Deion Sanders. Where is he headed? Trent Dilfer's going to UAB. Matt Rule at Nebraska. The coaching carousel's going. Right now in Vegas, Chris Peterson is the betting favorite to take over at Stanford, getting back into coaching potentially. That would be interesting, and Brandon Marcello is going to have a lot more on that when he joins us here in just a little bit. For now, let's take your phone calls, though. On the Auburn Bank phone line, our first caller due up today... James from Montgomery. James has called into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I know that y'all were uh, earlier. I know that y'all were talking about uh, Deion Sanders, and he will be coaching in Colorado for uh, the Colorado Buffaloes as well. You think so? I think so, and I think he's really going to do a really good job in Colorado. And I'm hoping that I'll probably see a great matchup between Auburn and Colorado in the in the. Um, in the college football playoffs sometime real soon. Yeah, it really feels like he's choosing between Colorado, South Florida, and Cincinnati. Three openings right now, and it doesn't feel like he's definitely chosen one of those teams. So we'll just have to wait and see what school he heads to. Yes, as well, because, I mean, with with Colorado and uh, seeing their great success that they've done over the years with that uh, great football program that they have, and I probably see Colorado actually making it to the college uh playoffs this year as well maybe not this year maybe not this year but next year because the season's pretty much over so colorado's not going to be able to make it this year but maybe in 2023 
Yes, 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 in 2023, because I know this season is already over, and I'm just, you know, counting the days down to seeing who's going to play in December as well with Alabama and Michigan, and I would love to see that rematch actually happen once again, actually, because I think with Alabama, I don't see Alabama winning against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, so I think Michigan will take the win and, um, you know, see if they're going to stay, you know, afloat as well we will have to wait and see absolutely we saw the playoff rankings come out last night you got georgia michigan tcu usc the four in the playoffs right now ahead of conference championship weekend Yes, as well, because I'm looking at, uh, I didn't see the rankings yesterday, but I'm looking at Georgia and USC actually meeting up in the national championship in Atlanta. That would be one of the classic matchups for uh, the city of Atlanta to to host uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, and that, that rivalry is so old in itself. I mean, you're looking at Georgia and USC that actually played years and years ago in their history of that of their uh, two conference schools rivalry as well. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, Georgia and LSU in the SEC championship game this week, and I think that's going to be a good football game. Yes, I, I was uh, actually uh, looking at that one and uh, looking at the uh, the highlights from last few years that Georgia actually played against LSU, and I think that one stands out. You know, it stands out like a like a like a uh, a dog in the wind, actually, because I think Georgia would love to win another national championship as well. A dog in the wind. I haven't heard that before. Yes, as well, because, I mean, with, with uh, Georgia, I know they they really have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of potential as well. So that's why I came up with that one as well. Okay, I like it then. I like it then. What about uh, Gus Malzahn? UCF, they're playing a conference championship game against Tulane on Saturday. Gus Malzahn could be a conference champion once again. James, coming up on Saturday, do you like UCF? <laughs> Or Tulane? I would have to say with my ties with Gus Malzahn and seeing what he used to do for Auburn, I'd probably say UCF. I'll take UCF uh, winning this one. And the final score for this one on Saturday would be UCF 44 to Tulane 24. Okay, a 20-point victory for Malzahn. Let me give you one more game, okay? How about in the ACC? They're going to play that game in Charlotte, North Carolina, back in my home state. Uh, It's the Clemson Tigers and the North Carolina Tar Heels. I would have to say North Carolina takes a big win. Okay, Uh, I kind of like that pick. That'd be fun to see. Yeah, I would I would love to see uh, North Carolina actually uh, beat Clemson, and I know with Clemson, I know they have a really good quarterback in uh, DJ Uyunglele, and I think he's not going to stand the test of time with the Carolina Tar Heels as well. So I think the Tar Heels would win this one. I do too. I think you're on to it. All right, we before we get to our special guest today, are you ready for your World Cup trivia? I am. All right, here we go. World Cup trivia. For James from Montgomery, who is the only player to score at six World Cups, James? Who's the only player to win six World Cups? Um, I would have 
have to take a hard kick on this one. And I just, I mean, I, I know it, but it, it's uh, drawing a blank in my mind. Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal at okay, five so. World Cups. Only player to score at five World Cups. Okay, so it was Christy, Cristiano. Uh, he did win five World Cups as well, and I'll probably see him actually win his sixth as well. He's a really good player for Portugal, that's for sure. How many teams make it to the World Cup? How many countries to, get to go? I would have to say there'll be eight. Not quite eight. Maybe multiply that by four. So eight, multiply that by four. So I have to say that'll be 16. That would be multiplying it by two. And then if we double 16, how about 32? 32 teams make the World Cup. Yes, 32 uh, teams in the uh, World Cup that will actually advance this weekend as well. So it will have to be the last four in that will win in uh, each divisional class. Not quite, but that's okay. Uh, 32 teams make it. 16 are going to advance this weekend. In 2026, the World Cup will expand for the first time ever. How many countries will get to compete in the 2026 World Cup? I will have to say that will be that will have to be either thirty eight or thirty nine countries. Forty eight countries will get a chance to compete in the World Cup in twenty twenty six. Oh wow! So that's right around the corner as well. And I would love to see uh, in twenty twenty six. I would love to see the World Cup actually being played in Brazil in 2026. What about in the United States? What about North America? Um, yeah, I would love to see that as well, but I don't know what um, what stadium will be actually host the World Cup. I mean, I could look at some of the NFL venues. Um, one is uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, Stadium in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I know that Atlanta has a soccer team out there, and I would love to see them actually host uh, the FIFA World Cup there in um, in Atlanta as well. In terms of population, what is the smallest country to qualify for the World Cup? This happened that, back in 2018. Mm, the smallest country. That will have to be Israel. A fair guess. It starts with that same letter. It starts with an I, and it's in Europe. But what country is it? Um, I'll have to say Iran. Another fair guess. Uh, And it does start with an I, and it is in Europe. But it's not Iran, and it's not Israel. The smallest country in terms of population to ever make it to the World Cup. Oh, Italy. Oh, good guess, but no. Uh, Italy's a little large. How about Iceland? Okay, yes, I did. I forgot about them as well because I did see them play at the beginning of the uh, World Cup uh, promos as well when they actually started uh, doing that. And I did see uh, uh, Iceland actually play uh, their first game, and they lost that one as well. All right, well, I enjoyed World Cup trivia with you today, James. We'll have to do it again sometime soon, okay? 
All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, talk War to you Eagle. tomorrow. There you go. That's James from Montgomery joining us on the program. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, Brandon Marcello joins Sports Call next. Tiger ninety five point nine. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here with Cam Berry, Ryan LeBoy, and Tom Peavy. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Busy week here on the Plains with the future of the Auburn football program. And so we're now excited to go to the Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a longtime guest, a longtime friend of the program. Brandon Marcello joins us here on Sports Call. Brandon, thanks for the time as always. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you, JJ? Quite well. Thank you so much for asking. Busy, busy week for us here on the Plains with a uh, new football coach taking over. Your reaction to Hugh Freeze being the man? Yeah, not surprising. Uh, you know, Auburn did go after Lane Kiffin, and uh, number two on that list was, was Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze was obviously very interested. And, in, you know, speaking to him back in uh, early November, I think November 5th or 6th, I can't remember the exact date, when uh, Liberty went to Fayetteville and beat Arkansas, you know, it was very clear to me from our conversation that Auburn was a job that not only interested him, but one he would probably try to pursue. And, uh, you know, here we are today, and um, it's going to be interesting to watch here as they try to figure out, you know, the transfer portal like everybody else. But, you know, Auburn's in a position here where they, they can make some big splashes here early because of the transfer portal. Yeah, and Brandon, uh, bringing Hugh Freeze in, obviously the, a lot of the fans, there was some backlash there. What's your, what's your take on the, on the backlash from the fans kind of regarding Hugh Freeze's past? Yeah, not unexpected, um, and it's one that I think he's going to have to try to overcome and try to prove everybody that he's the right man for the job by doing his job and doing it extremely well. I think this is a situation where I don't think you'll calm the seas, so to speak, until about a full year into the job and maybe win over some of those people because you're exactly right. Uh, there's been a lot of backlash. I've, I've heard it myself, in fact, from people. Um, regarding him and you know he's got to prove himself it's one thing to say you know you're you've changed and you're you're a good man and all that and it's another to actually prove it and here's the other thing though and i I hate to sound like a cynic but you know the moment he starts winning games and wins a lot of games people are going to forgive him because that's that that's in the end what this all is about in college football is, is winning games otherwise you know, Brian Harson would still be the head coach there at Auburn. If it was just about, you know, developing pro- a program and developing kids, it's about winning football games. And if Hugh Freeze does that, 
you know, I think Auburn fans, she'll win over Auburn fans pretty quickly. And, of course, he already announced that uh, Cadillac Williams will remain on staff and be the associate head coach and running back coach. Obviously, revered his uh, – really complimented his time uh, watching Cadillac in the month of November. So when we look, Brandon, at the the rest of his staff and, and hiring coordinators, he mentioned that he might be willing for the first time to not call plays offensively. Uh, do you expect in general for this to be a staff of maybe bigger names and more of splash names, or, or do you expect Hugh Freeze to ultimately go with some of the guys that he's gone with in the past and more guys that he's comfortable with? I think he'll do a mix, but probably leaning more toward guys he's comfortable with and also some some key staffers that are already there that have helped and shown that they are willing to kind of work out of the shadow of Brian Harson that they weren't necessarily seeing themselves in their own full potential because they were limited by Brian Harson. Um, you know, guys like Zach Gethridge, for example, I can very well see him sitting, staying on there. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to go try and look at some big names. As he said, he's gotten quite a bit of feedback, but I'd also be surprised if he doesn't call his own plays. I, I know that's one thing to say it, but I, I mean he's a play caller. That's why you hired him. It was because of his offense, and that's what's won him games. So I'd, I'd be shocked if he's not the primary play caller when the season starts there in September. And then also, Brandon, I want to ask you about Hugh Freeze's time in Ole Miss as far as the recruiting aspect. Obviously, a lot of things happen there, and that takes away from uh, maybe some of the overall recruiting that he did there. But how reliable do you think he will be on the recruiting trail, and I know some of it's dictated by the other staff members that ultimately are hired, but but how confident are you that he will end up being a really good recruiter at Auburn? Well, he showed it previously at Ole Miss, and the, the other thing is, is you do have to sit back and go, well, you know, that was six, seven years ago, and he had two top five classes there. It was in the top 15, I think, every year. Um, but this is a different age, obviously, with the transfer portal and the different transfer portal windows we've got here. But I think fairly quickly, quickly here, probably by mid-January, when this transfer portal window closes, this first one, you'll get a pretty good feel of just how he is as a recruiter because they need to get guys out of the transfer portal and fill, fill some very, very uh, big needs uh, across that roster. And it's not just one area. I know everybody talks about offensive line, but you look across that roster, there's a lot of holes they've got to fill and holes they've really got to fill up and, and put in a position to be much stronger than it was this past season. Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports is joining us on Sports Call today. You have, can follow him on Twitter, at Marcello. What else stood out to you, if anything, from his introductory press conference yesterday, Brandon? You know, I, I hate to say it, but it was kind of run-of-the-mill. It's exactly what you would expect from him when going up there. The only thing that really did stand out to me was John Cohen not taking questions. That that just seemed strange. Um, I, I don't understand that at all. I, I mean, it, it kind of looks like a, a chicken move, on my, in my opinion. And uh, I'm sure fans would like to hear some questions be asked that the new athletics director who just made a hire for the most the biggest position on that campus, on that university. And um, that, that kind of stood out to me. That rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but otherwise, it's exactly what you wanted to hear from Hugh Freeze. And he's a very, very well-spoken coach who can go up there and rally people 
And uh, I, I think that a lot of people are just going to be sitting and waiting. They want to see what he can do on that recruiting trail. And, you know, I think that this is a conversation, I, I hate saying this, but like in a year from now, well, we'll have a much better conversation about what's going on. I mean, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be a great coach there. And I think he's going to win 10 games at some point there. And it's going to turn that thing around. That's my belief because I've seen him do it. Uh, everywhere he's been, and I know what kind of coach he is, what kind of recruiter he is, but again, he's been out of big-time football for five, six years, so you've got got to gotta see him prove it once again, but you know, we'll get a very good taste here after this first portal window opens up December 5th. Uh, Brandon, obviously Auburn is not the only one that has named a new head coach. Um, some other guys have landed in some spots. If you could talk about some of those other guys and uh, maybe who's the big winner in this whole thing with uh, with some of this coaching carousel. I think Nebraska is a big winner right now getting Matt Rule. He's the guy that the exactly type of coach that they need. He went into the Temple. He went into Baylor, won double-digit games with his, his different approach with recruiting and the way they kind of track players as far as trying to do some advanced analytical things as far as, you know, closing speed and uh, uh, hit movement uh, with tight ends and things like that. And Nebraska needs that. Nebraska can recruit nationally, but it's not going to have top five recruiting classes every year, if top ten. And so they've got to be able to, one, get more four- and five-stars, yes, but also – get the type of players that fit their exact needs that maybe don't necessarily go under the radar, but they know that they can utilize in different ways in some other programs. That's what he did at Baylor. That's what he did at Temple. And I think this is kind of a good fit when it comes to someone you need to do some things a little bit differently to be able to kind of catch up with everybody in Nebraska. Because as we all know, football's not what it was 30 years ago. Nebraska can't line up and just not turn the football over and play play the option game and play eye formation and, and win with better and bigger players. That's just not how it is anymore. Nebraska can't do that, and so they got to do things a little bit differently. Where is Deion Sanders going to end up? I think he'll be the Colorado coach. I think uh, I, one way or another, we'll know Sunday. Um, that's what I'm hearing, that Sunday he's going to make some type of announcement or some, some type of play there. Uh, he's also talked to USF. I know that, but it appears that things are a little bit more serious with Colorado at this moment. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens. There's no way to predict what Dion's going to do, but we'll get some closure on that this weekend. And of course, Brandon Auburn was not the only state of Alabama team to make a hire here in the last 48 hours. At UAB uh, going to the AAC next year with a, a hire out of left field in Trent Dilfer, uh, certainly a hire for a Group of Five school that uh, has gotten a lot of people talking. What are what is your take on the matter? Yeah, it's surprising, uh, a little bit shocking. You know, UAB isn't the type of program that needs to go take a chance on a coach. And you're taking a chance with Trent Dilfer. Um, let's just face it. I mean, he's obviously a well-known name, and it's going to get you some attention, but he's been coaching high school ball. Um, I will say this. He's very well-versed in the college game because he helps run the Elite 11, you know, quarterback camps that, that become so popular and are so well-respected. He's very well-respected in coaching circles from that aspect, but – you know, how does he adjust to being a college coach? And he's got to do so quickly. I mean, goodness gracious, he's got to go back to Nashville today and uh, after his introduction there at UAB 
And he's got to go back there because he's got to coach another state championship game Thursday. And then when he's done with that, he's got to get back up there and immediately get to work because that transfer portal is opening up Monday. So I, I, that was a surprising hire. But, again, we've seen over the last three, four years, really Deion Sanders is the one who's opened these gates, so to speak. We've seen some different types of hires, just some big names, some names that we haven't even seen with, with coaching experience, you know, Eddie George and others that uh, are jumping in the game now. And it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, not everybody can be Dion, though. Dion is a unique personality, unique man, and one who I think, I mean, goodness gracious, wherever he goes, he's going to be extremely successful because I think he's a special man, personally. But, um, you know, we'll see with Trent Delfer. Uh, we'll see. Always appreciate the time. Brandon Marcello joining us here on Sports Call today. Again, follow him on Twitter at BMarcello. All your work at 247sports.com. And a YouTube page, Brandon, that I feel like you guys are always putting up new videos and coverage for folks to watch and consume uh, as they go into their evenings and have a lot of downtime and that sort of thing. Tell me some of the work that you've got out there right now. Well, it's coaching carousel right now. And, of course, we're focusing – a lot of energy on the transfer portal opening up. All our kids are already saying they're going in there when it opens Monday, and I don't think we're going to see a more chaotic uh, week, or I should say 24 hours when Monday hits, than then. Than. I, I, I expect there'll be over 1,000 names entering that portal for the first time on Monday. Wow. Should be crazy. We'll keep up with all of your coverage in the days to come. Brandon, thanks for the time. We'll do this again soon, okay? All right. See you guys. All right. That's Brandon Marcello, and he's joining us here on Sports Call. Monday's going to be a big one. December 5th, the start of the transfer portal. We'll see how that impacts a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Let's take a timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Moving forward here in hour number one of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, and Ryan Lavoy inside our studios here on South College Street. Our thanks again to Brandon Marcello for joining us on Sports Call just a moment ago. If you missed that conversation, you'll be able to listen to it later today on our Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. All of our Sports Call guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. So we continue with some phone calls here in the hour. We go back to the phone lines. Ward Dam Steve. All right. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us on the program. Hi, Steve. 
Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm on the clock, so uh, here we go. Here we go. Let me take my phone call. All right. First, uh, I really enjoyed listening to Brandon Marcello's uh, comments. It was very uh, informative. And uh, on those rare occasions, I actually uh, agree with his position. It rubbed me the wrong way that Mr. Cohen didn't see fit to stay after uh, Coach Harson's uh, comments and take any questions, guys. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I thought that was kind of a weak move as well. Uh, you know, when you're making a, a hire that is as controversial as this was, um, you're supposed to stand in front of everybody and answer for it um, and defend it, honestly, if if that's what you're going to do, not kind of, you know, let let Freeze do his talking, do his spiel, do his thing, and then just not answer any questions whatsoever and leave a lot of people wondering um about this so i i agree i thought it was out of, out of the ordinary for most most times when you have a person who was responsible for hiring they usually were there for answering questions okay but putting that aside real quick commentary guys i know people uh, don't agree with a lot of my viewpoints that's fine uh, and i know some people are uh, vehemently opposed to my viewpoint about uh, harson that's okay with me what I want to make a quick commentary about is that one of the things I've always taken pride in uh, as an Auburn fan and that is always, you know, mentioned by recruits and that we take pride in as Auburn uh, people and fans is that we call ourselves a family. And my definition of a functional and healthy family is we allow disagreements among family members. We don't kick them to the curb. We don't shut them out. And we don't tell them to go find another family. However, there are people on here who's in, who made those in, in, imitations uh, to me to find out maybe family, uh, root for some other team, and they've done it on blog posts that I've blogged on. And I find that just, to me, uh, just con- con- counter to what we should be calling ourselves as an Auburn family, that we can still disagree respectfully, even if, you know, uh, those views are, are not ours, uh, but still be, be inclusive uh, with those family members, and I call them all kind of names. And uh, I hope that people uh, will view it that way because I remember Pat Dye, uh, late Pat Dye, saying that in between Alabama football fans and Alabama football, uh, Alabama players, uh, Alabama fans uh, love Alabama football, but Auburn fans love Auburn, and I still love Auburn. That's right. All right, I'm gonna let. That's it. Now. I hope in the near future you might be able to get Mr. Phil Marshall because I want to him. I'd, I'd love for you to address this with him. Someone posted this on Auburn Two Forty Seven Sports uh, and saved it apparently. But on July twentieth, two thousand seventeen, Philip Marshall on his book, on the website there uh, wrote this. He says, "I'll be honest and say he's always seemed like a phony to me. He's also apparently not very smart." If you made such phone calls on a university on a university phone that's subject to public records requests, with NCA sanctions and now this, he's pretty much single-handedly destroyed Ole Miss's football program. I feel also feel badly for his family. Now he said in response to that that you're digging up old comments from him, and yes, he did make those comments, but he's changed his views. That's well and good. We all might change our views. When I've changed my views on something that important, especially himself about a person just got hired, uh, I would want to hear his evidence that has him decide and have a different viewpoint. I think that's fair enough, since he's being held accountable for that comment that he changed his views. Well, what are they based on? So I hope you guys might eventually be able to have Philip Marshall on there and ask him yeah. uh, 
will help us understand what made you change. Because I'd like to know, why do you think he was a phony then, but no longer now? And why do you think he wasn't very smart now, but he is now? Five years ago was quite some time, and, and Steve, as you well know, with, with Philip Marshall and how much we totally respect his reporting, when I've been running this program, uh, we have sent a number of requests for, for Philip to join us on the show and uh, just haven't been able to get him on the program for uh, a variety of different reasons. So the invite is always open to him, and uh, but, I, but I can't make any promises that he'll do that. And sure. again, I can't speak for, for why he, he changed his opinion after five years. But I think it's a reasonable expectation, unless you guys think differently, that if you change uh, your views about somebody that you may report on as a sports writer, we'd want to know what happened, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on, guys. Speaking of Coach Harzen, I saw he let uh, Rock Tony go, and I thought he was Coach Freeze. Recruit. Coach Freeze. Um, yeah, right. I thought that Rock was well-liked by recruits and uh, by the current players. I didn't think he did that bad of a job. Uh, you guys uh, have any clues to why he was let go, though? I mean, probably one of those deals where Coach Freeze has some some guys in place or, or some ideas on some places that he wants to put guys. And, you know, Rock doesn't have a spot there. Um, same thing with Jimmy Brumball. Um, you know, that that just happens with every coaching change. Uh, you know, fortunately, he's, he's keeping Cadillac Williams on. But you knew that some of these guys were going to lose their jobs. Yeah, I, I understand that. What concerns about this guy is, is apparently he was well-liked by two highly – recruited individuals that we're trying to get. Uh, their names are Rousseau, I think, and Smith, uh, five-star players from Montgomery. That's right. And they said that they a lot of the reasons that they wanted to come to Auburn was because of, of his recruiting. So I hope that doesn't impact that. Um, Jason Caldwell says on here just today, a few minutes ago, that he believes that Zach Etheridge and Christian Robinson will be retained. Uh, what do you think about T. Reed, guys? Have you talked to T. Reed? Does he know if he's going to stay? He's in a good spot. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems pretty uh, pretty good and pretty optimistic that Trevon's going to get to keep moving forward in his position, uh, which is really good news for the program. So uh, not 100% official on that, but he's in good spirits, and he really does like his chances moving forward. What do you think about I Kill You? Do you think he might be retained? That's a big question mark. I certainly would love it. I, yeah, I think the wide receivers got better stand. throughout the year. Um, and and obviously you got to get better receivers in here, and he's done a good job on the recruiting trail. Uh, I would love to see I Kill Your retained. And now I'm remiss here. I thought you guys might be able to have gotten uh, Mr. Bo Jackson on and wish him a happy birthday live on the radio show. But you know, wouldn't I, that I, be I, something? Yeah, no. <laughs> he's celebrating old, sixty. Yeah, I'm getting old too. All right, guys, about the uh, girls volleyball team, they made the NCAA bid. They good did. They did. They yeah. did. Now, where do they play? What's their first game? They will play on Friday night against Creighton. Odds are stacked against them, but uh, it's just unbelievable that they were able to make it to the big dance. So, we got to the so, end of hour is, one, is Steve. Is that on TV? Uh, I believe it will be. I'll confirm that and, and share with listeners as we get closer to Friday. All right, guys. Hey, thank you again for your time. My time is way, way up. Until tomorrow, that's my promise. War damn Eagles, no matter what. All right. War Eagle, indeed. That's retired. War damn Steve joining us here on Sports Call. What we have done is we have reached the end of the first hour of our program. We've got two hours left to go. We've got a hump day update. We've got Joe Bartle from Rotowire. We've got a nightly TV guy. We've got a lot happening here on Auburn's First at Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Alongside Cam Berry, Ryan the Boy, and Tom Peavy, I'm JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and the Tiger Communications app. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of Sports Call. On the program with me on this Wednesday, I have Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Cam Berry. Gentlemen, we have done it. We have reached the final day of November in 2022. After today, we will have one month left to go. End of your birthday month. <laughs> End I'm of my birthday shorts. month. End of uh, Tom's birthday month. Yep. Uh, winter is coming. Yeah. I don't yes. know if that's true. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the actually, it may be actually winter, but it's still going to feel like spring and halfway uh, summer. All of the above. All of the above. Make your decision south. It's uh, so annoying. Auburn High girls flag football team, state champions. State champs. Yeah. 26 to 20 win over Oxford. So uh, Auburn High girls have won the AHSAA state title in flag football. So congratulations, Auburn High girls. I'm really glad that's a sanctioned sport now Yeah. by the AHS. You know, it's only two years that, that they've been able to put a state title together for flag football. Excellent move. Yeah. Excellent yeah, move to cool. get that out there. Get some exposure. And now we get some football. 7 a game tonight, 7 p.m., 6.30 airtime. 7 p.m. kickoff, 6.30 airtime, as it'll be Auburn High taking on Thompson, and uh, should be a fun one. Thompson pretty good against Hoover. Uh, Auburn lost to Central Phoenix City in the regular season, uh, but when it counted most, that's when they got the win. And, And now they get to play for a state title, so kudos to those Tigers. uh, Auburn High, they're they're only... A local team in the Super Seven, right? Uh, Lee Scott won state title in right. in uh, AISA. That was last week. Um, I couldn't tell you every single team that's right. in it, honestly. I think you may be right. I, I, I'm thinking Auburn is our only local. Yeah, if we're talking Super just Seven. in terms of Auburn yeah, like area, right? uh, Lee County area, Lee County area. Yeah, yeah. Then yes. I would say so. I think so. Yeah, I would, JJ I would is think that's I know the, frantically uh, looking it up right now. I know the Piedmont Bulldogs are going for another state title uh, because our, our uh, general manager, Brooke Myers, yeah. is a Piedmont native, and okay. she's always oh, talking yeah, about they're playing, um, Piedmont. They're playing St. James. James. Yeah, That's a Montgomery uh, school. Yeah, they're Pickens County versus Leroy in 1A. 5A is Ramsey versus Charles Henderson. Uh, we've talked Troy. about Troy, 7A. Yeah. And then uh, Friday's games, 4A finals, Cherokee County versus Andalusia. 2A finals, Fife versus B.B. Comer. And the 6A finals, Mountain Brook Sicaga. versus Saraland. B.B. Comer out yeah. of Sylacauga. Yeah, so nothing that's closer than 40 or 45 right. minutes away yeah. aside from uh, Auburn High. But, uh, yeah, Auburn Thompson will be 
That's the uh, big a great one. redemption opportunity for Auburn High based off of how they lost a few years back yeah. in the Super 7. Of course, that made national sports uh, news. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, how they lost. And so I know they're itching. And they immediately fired their coach yeah. after that, too. I know they're itching to. to get back. Uh, <laughs> Did they, I thought he left. I thought he just. Well, maybe he leave. left, but yeah. I, I think they were ready to. Uh, after that, it was kind of hit the hit the well, streets there, yeah. buddy. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he uh, or Auburn will will have a chance at that. But Thompson did smoke Hoover uh, in the in the yeah. semifinals, so Thompson is is no joke. I have no idea who's favored. I would think Thompson would be favored, but uh, I, still, they've lost two or they've lost two or three this year. I know. Well, I heard one of them they lost to uh, Trent Dilfer's high school okay. out, of, out of Tennessee. Right. Um, I guess no longer Trent Dilfer's high school after tomorrow. But uh, I, that remaining, I just just going off of now. Looks Central Phoenix City might have been able to to crush Hoover. I don't know, but right. just going off of, of semifinal performances uh, and just knowing that that Thompson had a long run with the Tugabiolas, uh, they are yeah. being dominant. You know, Thompson's Tom- Thompson's well. Uh, well traveled here in this arena. Thompson yeah. has a ten and three record. Auburn is twelve and one. Yeah, Tom, and and for people that don't know Thompson, Thompson, you mentioned the the Tungvaluas both went there. That was where they transferred in from Hawaii, and that's where they went. So it's it's technically a Birmingham school, but it's closer to like on the Tuscaloosa side of Birmingham. Is it not? Yeah, yeah, it is, but it's still way closer to Birmingham. Okay, um, I mean it's but, still, but it is it is a major it's twenty minutes. It, it has become Birmingham. a major uh, University of Alabama pipeline. That that's a uh, that's one of their recruiting hotbeds is Thompson, and because they are such a big time school, but they've they've been plucking a lot of guys from Thompson uh, over the last couple of years, and so that, it's been a, a a big hotbed for them, and. Uh, yeah, so they're going to be taking on Auburn, and uh, I, yeah, I don't know who would be favored. I know uh, before Auburn lost that uh, regular season game to Central, Auburn was really kind of on the cusp of a national ranking, and and I saw a bunch of things that in the Southeast they were ranked as like the one of the top overall schools in the entire Southeast, which you know that includes the IMG academies and things like that, and Auburn was ranked in there, and Thompson wasn't, so. Uh, Maybe Auburn should be favored. There. It, it, it may be Auburn. That's the thing. But I mean, without knowing them head to head, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. I, I just I know Auburn is very good, but Thompson is also very good. Super Seven starts today at Jordan Hare Stadium. You can listen to the games on FM Talk ninety three point nine. We are going to have coverage for six of the seven title games. The only game that will not have coverage for is Friday night, that 6A game between Mountain Brook and Sarland because inside Jordan-Hare Stadium, you've got that game going on. But at the exact same time, inside Neville Arena, Auburn men's basketball, Bruce Pearl back in action for a game against Colgate. So we'll have radio coverage for that Auburn men's game on Friday night in that one. Your phone calls are always welcome. You know that. 334-887-3401. We're talking Auburn football with Hugh Freeze. We're talking Super 7. We're talking everything in the wide world of sports. We'll go to the phone lines right now and joining us on the program, Luke from Alex City. Luke has called into the show. Hi, Luke. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Quite well. How about you? Doing good. Yeah, um, I'm so glad you brought up the Super 7. I would highly encourage everybody to get out there to Jordan-Hare Stadium and uh, enjoy this. Uh, Bryant, Denny, and Jordan-Hare and then Protective Stadium last year, they've all done a wonderful job putting on this event. The HSA, 
does a, a magnificent job with this every single year. So there's some really, really good games. Um, I am fortunate enough to be calling two of them tomorrow, the uh, 3A and the 5A game, and then I'll be doing the sidelines for the games on Friday, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. it. It's one of the best times of the year. There are some big-time players. Uh, you know, Auburn's got some commitments on that Auburn High School squad. Uh, Braden Joyner is, is on that team. Alabama's got a commitment from Tony Mitchell on the Thompson squad. Peter Woods, of course, going to Clemson. Stanton Rammel, who I, I think is still committed to Michigan State at the moment, but that can swap at any minute. Um, Thompson's got an eighth-grade quarterback that is just a phenom. Wow. He's taken over about midway through the season, and he's been incredible. I mean, he's just been awesome. I mean, an eighth-grader leading Thompson is just bananas. That's terrifying. But, uh, Holy cow. Eighth yeah. grade. Jeez. What is that, 13, I'll go 14 ahead. I'll go ahead and make him a five-star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brian Harson's son is on Auburn uh, high school team. So, I mean, I assume he'll be there tonight. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> Andalusia has a running back named Jamarian Burnett. I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be playing because I know uh, he was under some sort of concussion protocol, I believe. I hope he plays. Maybe Comer's got a fantastic player. Uh Charles Henderson has a guy that's like 2025 guy that is a like the number six player in the country, a guy named Zion Grady. Um, St. James just throws it all over the field. They've got a great quarterback, and so does Piedmont. Piedmont has a kid named uh, Jack Hayes that is, is really, he set a bunch of AHSA records, and he's just had a marvelous career. So, And, and then you end up, the, the best game of the whole uh, three days to me is Mountain Brook and Saraland. Mountain Brook is um, a very tough team, a very disciplined team. They've got a running back named Cole Gamble, who one time this year had six touchdowns in one game. And uh, Saraland has a trio of sophomores that are all fantastic. And uh, one of them is Ryan Williams. He'll end up being the number one receiver in the country. He's committed to Alabama right now uh, when he uh, gets to signing day in three years. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I would highly recommend people go check it out. And if you can't get there, you know, listen to it on the radio right right here or, or uh, on the other station you mentioned because I'm with the HSA Radio Network, and we have a blast with it every single year. Yes, and uh, we're going to be listening. We're, that's for sure, Luke. Absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun there at Jordan Air. What about Hugh Freeze? we got to hear from you. You know, I, from, a, from a pure football standpoint, I think it's a pretty good hire. Um, I think he's he's a really good football coach. There's no doubt about it. I think he's very uh, silver-tongued. And if you know, one thing that it would encourage me if I were a, an Auburn fan and worried about recruiting, um, I know on 24-7 they had a write-up yesterday. I believe Christian Clemente had a write-up about how he contacted several potential recruits, and about 70% of them, it seemed like, didn't know who Hugh Freeze was. And, and normally I would say that's a bad thing. In this case, I think it's a good thing because he gets to uh, make the first impression instead of kids already, you know, maybe knowing about a reputation that precedes it. Um, I can certainly, where Steve was talking about how Philip Marshall called him a phony back in 2017. I, I mean, look, I'm one of those guys that, um, you know, when you, when you preach so much about religion and Christianity and God and forgiveness and redemption and then, uh, you do some of the things he did, it's kind of hard for me to get back in your boat. You know what I mean? But um, as far as the football coach goes, I think it's, he's a really good football coach. And, um, 
he makes the SEC West even tougher. So uh, I, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, the other thing I would caution is whenever you – a lot of times when you hire guys who have a bit of a history like him, um, it always seems like something ends badly. Uh, now, I know Alabama didn't know about Mike DuBose's history when they hired him, but he, he sort of got into a little thing, and that ended poorly. Uh, Mike Price, the same way. Um, Urban Meyer, the same way. I mean, you know, it just seems like people that uh, that are in that kind of boat, they, they things don't end well sometimes. Now, maybe he's different. Maybe things will be good. Maybe there's some people out there that are like, hey, the past is the past. I get it. And, um, you know, from a football standpoint uh, is what I'd concentrate on and say, hey, if you're just talking X's nose and recruiting, he's pretty doggone good. Yeah, we're excited for it indeed. And now the question is, what does the coaching staff look like? And speaking of Christian Clemente, he's just put some news out there for people. Hugh Freeze has let go of defensive coordinator Jeff Schmetting, Will Friend, wide receiver coach Ike Hilliard, D-line coach Jimmy Brumbaugh, Zach Etheridge, and Christian Robinson have not been guaranteed spots but are expected to be retained. So now we got to put together our coaching staff. Yeah, look, if, if I were – uh, Coach Freeze, the, the one thing I would just make sure, and he's already done that, is just keep Cadillac on the staff and then let the rough end drag. I think if, as long as he keeps Cadillac, I think that um, everybody else would, would be on board with whomever he wants to hire. Because I, I think that's important to let a coach do his own thing with the, this one-time exception of Cadillac endeared himself so much to the Auburn community, it, it would have been a, a bad start for anybody to let him go. So I think Hugh did the right thing there. And, um, you know, meanwhile, whoever else he wants to get, I think you could certainly make an argument that there's there was nobody else on the Auburn staff that was just knocking it out of the park. Um, you could say Ike Hilliard did a pretty good job, but maybe Hugh Freeze is more comfortable with another guy, and I, I think I would have to defer to him. Sure, no doubt about that. Well, Luke, we appreciate the call. We'll be listening all week long on the Super yeah. 7, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, guys. Y'all have a good day. I appreciate the time. All right. That's uh, Luke from Alex City giving us a phone call. 334-887-3401. A reminder, 10 assistant coaches in college football. That's a large number. 10 assistant coaches in college football. When Gus Malzahn was let go, Brian Harson kept one. One. And, it was and that was Cadillac. Cadillac Williams. Right now, it seems as though Hugh Freeze will keep three so that's even more that than we know you saw that that we know of yeah. uh in terms of there you've got zach etheridge and christian robinson and uh yeah well the the so the biggest things that you got to look at is uh with schmetting now being announced he's out so you're gonna have to hire both coordinators uh, which we already knew yeah. the offensive coordinator was gonna have to happen right. but now with schmetting out you're definitely gonna have to have a defensive coordinator um, those are the two most important. Obviously, your your position coaches are big, but you have to have top notch coordinators to to get the wheels going there. Yeah, I've heard Muschamp a lot. I've I've heard Muschamp uh, on the defensive side. I've also heard uh, I've heard a few other names, and then uh, and then as far as position coach, we've heard uh, Matt Luke's name come up as far as offensive line coach. And of course, if if Will Friend is out, then that's opening up that offensive line spot. Right. So uh, I wish you'd have kept Ike. I, I kind of do too. Um, I, I, but you know, also, I don't know how. 
I, so Ike is Ike Hilliard is a, a big name as far as yeah, those of us that watch football. Wise. Pedigree, big name. I don't know how he was on the recruiting trail because I was not there. I haven't heard, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, they just name wise and pedigree wise, sure. But obviously, there's more. Than goes be- I mean, I don't know how much better you can get at that position. If you're looking for just a position coach, uh, right? well, I, well, the other thing is I don't know. You know, Hugh Freeze, I would imagine, has a, an idea of what his staff wants to look like, and there's probably guys he's already reached out to. Uh, when he started getting the idea that he was going to get this job, he already probably started reaching out to some different folks. And uh, you know, I uh, the other thing is that, you know sometimes you get guys that are. Uh, there as like really good position coaches and some that are there as position coach but more known as a recruiter so you already know Cadillac is going to be your running backs coach but what if you go and you pull a guy like Adele McGee but you make him wide receivers coach you know he can do wide receivers coach but he's mainly there to be a recruiter you know, Fair. those are the types of things that happen. But uh, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Hugh Freeze has a, a, an idea in his head. Uh, you know, probably penciled down what he thought his staff would look like, and he's kind of rolling with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the recruiting aspect, as far as I kill you, would just be the the question since he was a guy that was in the NFL as a wide receivers coach for a long time. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the coordinator is way more important. So, I mean, I, I'm willing to accept differences there on on certain position coaches. I think the the clear most important position on the staff will be defensive coordinator. Um, we yeah. know that Hugh Freeze in the past has gone co-OC, co-DC, so, and, and that's something that he's always done. So it would be kind of a, a change for him if he just went one person on on either side of the ball. But I, I think that when you think, even even if he ends up not calling every play, uh, even if he ends up, uh, his joke was that he knows some pretty good stuff to run in the red zone but could use some help everywhere else, even if it's that, I still weigh the defense much more important because, again, by his own admission, he wants someone that's a genius on, on the defensive side of the ball. And you've seen a lot of different names on that are becoming candidates on both sides for OC and DC, and it's clear that the DCs are much better known, much more recognizable, much more favorably opinionated than the guys on offense. The offensive guys are, are not necessarily bad guys. They're just guys that have not worked maybe in college football as long. Maybe they're younger guys. They're guys that haven't had as big of a role before. And that's all part of the plan if you're an offensive-minded head coach. It's usually what you do. Um, but the defensive guys, I mean, you've seen a lot of people talk about Barry Odom, uh, Will Muschamp. Uh, you've seen Charles Kelly mentioned before, uh, T-Rob, Frost Robinson. I mean, you've had a lot of various guys, even Travis Williams, who's uh, currently Gus's DC at UCF. You've seen a lot of different guys that I would all be comfortable with on, on the defensive side of the ball. There, I still have a rankings. I would still have a preference list. I personally uh, would adore Will Muschamp for part three of Will Muschamp. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know what his feeling would be. George is his alma mater. I don't know if he is comfortable 
being a co-DC, obviously he is now at Georgia, but I guess I mean by that, is it different because he's not having to do that much because Kirby Smart's there, or does he want to be doing more? I don't know. I don't know how burned out Will Muschamp is after a couple failed SEC head coaching experiences, but uh, I certainly uh, revere him as a defensive coordinator. But again, any of those guys, I, I would say maybe if I'm am ranking someone towards the bottom of the names we just said, maybe Barry Odom would be more towards the bottom just because he was at Arkansas this year and that was a very big problem is that they could not cover a tree and they were very poor in some aspects of their defense this year Um, but I know he has that head coaching experience has now been around the league for a long time and I would just want to add one name that has not been mentioned about that I personally would like them to take a look at and this was brought up coach from Kathleen called the show yesterday we talked coordinators for a little while and I mentioned Manny Diaz someone that was at Mississippi State for a long time uh, obviously failed at head coaching down at Miami has been Penn State's defensive coordinator this year nothing wrong with their defense this year and, and Diaz has been around this part of the world a lot between the stop at Miami and the time at Mississippi State so I, I like Manny Diaz as, as a coordinator option too I don't know if, if they'll talk to him or not but there's a lot to like amongst the names being thrown around for defensive coordinator so you know and that's what something he Freeze mentioned too yesterday is that he's got a lot of people talking to him about it so uh, there'll be a lot of interest in it uh barry odom is the name uh for defensive coordinator that i saw brought up uh, and i forget who it was that mentioned they said that most likely one of freeze's first calls is going to be to barry odom currently the uh defensive coordinator at arkansas but uh former head coach at missouri um well-known defensive coordinator and been doing all that and that but so i i had read that barry odom may be that one of those first calls that hugh freeze makes Right, and as I just said, uh, I, he's not done a great job at Arkansas right. uh, this this past year. But that that's why Sam Pittman hired him is oh. because he had the the head coaching experience at Missouri, something that Sam Pittman wanted to lean on because he had not been a head coach before uh, coming from his O line position. So I, th- it made sense for them, but I'm not sure that Barry Odom had, would make as much sense for Auburn. I, again, I wouldn't hate it to be clear. I'm not going to just rag on. It. I'm just saying that would be. You know, if you're if you're ranking the list, that would right. be a little bit more, less of a priority than some of those other guys. Ten coaches on a staff that includes your two coordinators, and with Auburn, remember they also already fired coaches and Eric Keysaw and Brad Bedell. So that number has already dropped down a little bit, and now we're hearing more names. Uh, not to be retained moving forward by Coach Hugh Freeze. Going to be interesting to follow. We know Cadillac will be back. That's the associate head coach for Good Auburn move. football. All right, we got to take a timeout. Our show continues in a moment. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Kim Berry. Trying to put together a coaching staff for the Auburn Tigers, and uh, wide receiver Coy Moore just tweeted, at Coach Ike, one of the best human beings I ever ran into, I just want to tell you I appreciate you for everything you did, man. You fought for us every day. Can't lie, man. This one hurt. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I kill your mm. – will not be retained as the Auburn Tigers wide receiver coach. Yeah. Part Work of the, to be done. Does part, hurt. part of the business. Part of the business. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even when you win, you see coaching changes sometimes. Look, look and, back uh, Look back up at the numbers to finish the Barry Odom thought. Arkansas was 124th in total defense this year, so – uh, that made Maybe me not. get even less interested. <laughs> I, I knew they were not good defensively this year, but uh, seeing that only seven teams in the FBS were worse, uh, you know, but <laughs> that would be a little uncomfortable. We'll see what happens with the future of Auburn football. Hugh Freeze introduced as the 31st head coach of the Auburn Tigers yesterday. Here we are today on November 30th, 2022. Nine years ago today, this happened. Nine years ago today. Chris Davis is going to drop back into the end zone in single safety. So I guess if this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. And we thought a miracle at Jordan-Hare was amazing. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Chris Davis just read it. 109 yards. And Auburn is going to the championship game. You got plans next week, my friend. seen anything like that so special nine years ago today the voice of uh, the late rod bramblett former voice of the auburn tigers and stan white who uh this past saturday during the iron bowl signed off for the the final time 22 years as the analyst worked with three different play-by-play announcers for auburn football and, uh, yeah, the greatest call in Auburn football, the kick six nine years ago to one of, the day. One of the greatest, That's phenomenal, man, yeah. just not, listening back not to Not one that. of the greatest calls in Auburn history, one of the greatest calls in football history. Because, I mean, yeah. I mean it, you also got to remember after that play, I mean, how much that was played nationally. That mm-hmm. that Rod's Everywhere. Call, yeah, Rod's call on that became a national sensation because it was – center it, number one. Oh, yeah. Top ten, yeah. But, I mean, Rod's call was even – Rod's call was better – than the than the national television, uh, just oh yeah, just because of the excitement, you're going to get more of the excitement than you are with the Vern. Broadcast. It was Vern's, yeah, Vern Lundquist. Um, 
it was uh yeah, I mean because you're not going to get the excitement out of Vern that you are out of Rod, but they play Rods all over. I mean, Good Morning America, I think, had him on mm-hmm. after that talking about the call. Uh, Howard Stern uh, had the they were kind of they were more joking about it than anything, just about how excited he was. But yeah, I mean, Rod's call became a national thing. So yeah, I mean, just one of the best plays in one of the most one of the best plays in football history, but one of the best radio calls in history as well yeah i was in auburn that day i was uh i was watching it at my grandmother's house and you could hear the state of the you could hear jordan hair from from my grandmother's house it oh, was wow. so loud um you could walk outside and and just it was insane um and some of my cousins were bama fans as well so it, we had like a split party and uh, we used to do that every year watch the iron bowl at my grandmother's house right after thanksgiving yeah and um it was it's always such a fun fun event but that game was crazy that game just, was nine years ago oh, yeah that, <laughs> right that's it's one of those it's one of those games that everybody's gonna remember where they were it's kind of it's i hate to compare it to like an, a tragedy because this was not a tragedy but it's one of those things of where it, like such a, a a memory that everybody knows like where they were at that time what they were doing um you know anybody that lived through that's going to know exactly where they were and what they were doing when it, when that game happened when that play happened yeah it's just that monumental yeah, that was that's so crazy. I was I was a junior in high school. <laughs> I was I was standing in Fat Daddy's refusing to watch the television. I was trying to get the bar opened up, and I was so nervous I just wouldn't even watch the TV. And one of my door guys had it on, and he started screaming and yelling. So then I ran to the TV, but I was convinced that <laughs> got to. I was convinced Auburn was going to lose, and especially once they gave Alabama the one second on the clock and coming out to kick the field goal. I was like, oh, well, of course, give them one second. They're going to kick the field goal and break our heart. And I mean, that's no, just no. I didn't want to watch it happen because I just knew that Alabama was going to kick that field goal and just rip our hearts out. Give and us. I did not want to sit there and watch that happen. And then what happened happened. Give us one second and yeah. break their spirit. And you thought the miracle in Jordan Hare was amazing. Yeah, right. And just everything that he said in that call was so iconic and stand chiming. You got plans next week? I'm going to be in Atlanta. Well, the championship was up for grabs. Special. I just, special, it, special. When when special when he said when when Rod says there goes Davis and you hear Stan White just scream oh, oh my, my God, God. <laughs> oh my God that that right there that is just the that, because that's when you knew it was about to happen everything leading up there were like guys that had a chance to get them but at that moment when he says there goes Davis and you hear Stan White scream out oh my God that just is like there it is. I love it so, so much. So insane. <laughs> the kick six. Nine years ago today, it was referenced yesterday by the new head coach, Hugh Freeze, wanting to create more memorable moments as he steps into the Iron Bowl himself. Hopefully Alabama's a little nervous with this hire, as he said yesterday. Let's take a timeout. Our show continues in a moment. Follow us on Twitters. 
Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We keep moving forward here in hour number two of Sports Call today. Joe Bartle from RotoWire set to join the show a little bit later. We, of course, will have a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. And uh, more fun things straight ahead here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Again, J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy. Always a great time. Uh, to be on the program with these guys. Uh, We do this each and every Wednesday. It is the last time that this will happen this football season. We have reached the end of our hump day updates. We've reached the end of posting the camel emoji on our social media platforms for the year, which is really sad uh, because it's a fun emoji and it doesn't get enough love. We've been doing that, and now it's time for one more hump day update. Time for your Sports Call Hump Day update on the Campbell Camels football team. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Just hits different when it's the last one. Yeah, the end of an era. Those Camels, man, they fought. They fought this season. And we've got one more hump day update to go. Of course, we haven't had a hump day update since Thanksgiving. You think camels enjoy Thanksgiving? <laughs> Probably not. I don't. I don't know many camels. Camels celebrate camels. I don't know many camels that eat turkey or ham. Fair. But if they did, they could carry a lot with them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and they're in their humps that do not have water in them. Yeah, true. I remember As that. We've discussion. done we've done camel research yeah. on this program. That's why it's so important that we do this one final time. That's right. Because their football season came to a close. Yeah. What um, can you say, Tom? Uh, they ended their season on a very good note: a thirty-four to seven win over the Delaware State Hornets. So uh, the Campbell Fighting Camels finished with the season with a five and six record. Uh, with that 34-7 win. Um, Haj Malik Williams Last time we get to say his name. Yep. What a name. Yep. Haj Malik Williams, yep. junior quarterback from Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. 13 of 24 for 211 yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, looks like they did it Did it through the air. They've got a lot of guys rushing here. Uh, uh, Naquari Rogers, uh, eight attempts for 47 yards and a touchdown was their leading rusher. So, uh yeah, five and six, man. Pretty pretty decent for them, I think. But, I don't know how I don't know how they've been doing in the past. See, they they uh, they kind of hung around with Jackson State, and then after that, they they went on a losing streak. Yeah. They kind of got up for that game, and then they uh, lost a couple. Uh, good to see them finish off with a win, but um, 
you know, it. it uh, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's all. They got. Yeah, they lost a very close one to Jackson State in the in right. in Deion Sanders twenty two to fourteen. But yeah, then, well they can't. They beat uh, Robert Morris forty one to ten. That next. No, year. you're going the wrong way. Look at the dates on that. I'm seeing your laptop right now. Oh, I'm going backwards. Yeah, they, they've they've got it going up as the most recent. Ah, so after that, they, yeah, they, they there we North go. Carolina North Carolina A and T. They lost. Then they lost to Bryant by six. Then they lost to Gardner Webb by seven. Yep. They've scored a lot of points, but they they got on a, a stretch there where they weren't playing any defense. Yeah, and then they they continued. What what they scored thirty something and four straight looked yeah. like, but only got got one win. Only to one show win for out it. of it. Yeah, but they got the they got the win at the end of the season against Delaware State. So five and six record for our Fighting Camels. Last year they went three and eight. Okay, so, so it, uh, a plus Getting two better. improvement. And this is important to note as well. In the history of Campbell football, I bet the overall record's rough. That goes all the way back to 2008. Yeah, a long, Storied long, past. long, long time ago. The most wins that Campbell University has ever had. Oh no! In a football season. Uh oh. Now, Seb has happened on four such occurrences. It ain't. It may. It might Seven. not be higher than five. Six. Okay. Wins. Ah. Ooh. The most ever. 2011, 2017, 2018, 2019. Went six and five each of those years. So the most five, wins ever. Five hundred program the yep. last four or five years. Then five hundred program. All time. Not 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 five hundred below five hundred. Fifty eight wins. 80 losses or so. 58 wins? Yeah, 80, uh, 80-ish losses. That's 101 losses. Yikes. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. That's okay. See, getting better, though. Well, getting better recently. This is our fight song featuring Gaylord the Camel. One more time. Gosh. Just beautiful. Did we say... How many did we say uh, were seated? Campbell's home stadium. How many could they fit? That's right. How many camels? Let me give you that research. That's could important. They, could they fit in there? We can fit 6,200 camels. Heck yeah. Uh, there will be At many Parker more inside of Jordan Hare stadium. stadium tonight. For the, uh, <laughs> Super 7. Don't say that. There will be many more. For, Don't make me upset about for the camel support games, that's actually. out there. Yeah, we were trying to change saying. that this year. And we're, there's no guarantee they sold all 6,200 6, <laughs> <laughs> seats. I'm not going to crap on them. That's our final hump day update of the year. Use the camel emoji more frequently in your day-to-day life. I think you should. It's a good one. It's there for a reason. Put it out there. Uh, We got to take a break. Our show continues in a moment. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. We're back on Sports Call. 
Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy. A little bit of time left here in the hour, and then we will have one hour left to go here today one. of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. One day. hour left in the history of Sports Call, 22. November 2022 shows. Yep. That's it. One hour left. Yep. Make we the just most said goodbye to the Camel Camels, probably for the history of Sports Call, <laughs> if we're being honest. It was a one-year run. Yeah, unless they break in the FBS one of these years. Yeah. I guess I got to start thinking about putting stories together for Wacky Wednesday. We're going to need something. Uh-huh. Yeah. I miss those. Those good stories. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Man. Or good. when we did fart trivia. Or, yeah. <laughs> just randomness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's wild. Come on, you like everything you like, we did. Are you we did we did Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? No. Uh Sports Call Edition on Wednesdays. I mean, look, this has been Weird Animal Facts. This has been one of our most versatile and just truly, truly, truly elite days. Yeah. Of, you know. Well, I We try to bring it on Mondays. We try to bring it on Tuesdays. Uh-huh. We try to bring it on Thursdays. And then Friday, it's the weekend, you know? That, that, that's the mindset, the, typically. The, but Wednesdays? Damn. The defensive coordinator will be hired probably before next Monday, even. But and every Monday that goes by, if they, Auburn does not have a defensive coordinator, I'm just going to go for must-champ Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I just read facts about how good Will Muschamp's <laughs> defenses were. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Is there a coach in particular that you want to do for uh, Wednesday here whose last name starts with a W? Uh, I can't think of one. I'm putting us on the spot. Yeah. There's a Williams Wednesday. That could be Cadillac Williams. Well, we've already, but that one's but, already done. Yeah, though. we talk about Cadillac, and he's got a job next year. And what is the uh, defensive coordinator at Illinois? What was his name? His name keeps popping up a lot. At Illinois? Mm-hmm. Not sure. Hmm. Trying to find. Apparently, he's like really good. He's a name that's been brought up. I can't, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't find it. I'm trying to find it. Searching through the message boards to try to find the, where they were talking about him. How about I just go Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters? I thought it began with a W. Okay. He and he's on the the uh, betting list for the Stanford head coach as well. Right. Yeah. So Walters Wednesday. Walters Wednesday. <laughs> So I, thought it, I, also, thought it, I thought it began with a W. There was also another Walters. Are they brothers? I don't know. There is a Troy Walters who's 14 Mystery. to 1 odds to be the next Stanford coach. And then Ryan Walters, who is uh, the defensive coordinator. Let's see who Troy Walters is. Yeah, this is riveting I, this whole, stuff. This whole time, I cannot think of another W. Yeah, the, and this Ryan, truly yeah, is riveting. So yeah, Ryan Walters. Ryan Walters is the Illinois DC. That's who I was thinking about. And Troy Walters did go to Stanford. Okay, that would make sense potentially. He's currently the wide receiver coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. They've got a good wide receiver room. They do some things. They throw the football. There's Joe Burrow. <laughs> they throw the football. They do throw the football. Good stuff. Good stuff. I don't know, man. I can't think of anything. Yeah, it's okay. We'll we'll move on. Right, Ryan Walters. Uh, uh, he's up for the Broyles Award, uh, which goes to the nation's top assistant. Uh, he's a finalist for the Colorado head coaching job. So, uh, yeah, 
Ryan Walters is a, his. Most people around the southeast don't know him just because he's been at Illinois, but yeah, he's made quite the name for himself as a defensive coordinator. I don't think they're brothers. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I, I don't know. Throw that out there. Yeah. I don't think they're related. I thought for a second maybe they were, but I don't think so. Tough. Yeah. the the other The other kind of part of Ryan Walters mentioning is he has SEC experience. He is a, a safeties coach at Memphis. In I'm sorry, safety safeties coach at Missouri in 2015. He was their co-defensive coordinator in 2016 and 2017. Defensive coordinator and safeties coach 2018 to 2020 all at Missouri before he went to Illinois. So he's got the SEC experience. Maybe he all will right. be. I found, a, I found a coach with the name W that's a head coach. We finally did it. Uh, Justin Wilcox, the California head coach, who's probably not any good. but uh, Wilcox Wednesday. Yeah. I can do it. Um, yeah. That, I mean, I literally just went through the entire list of current head coaches just to see, okay, if there's like a random and I found him and then I found Will Hall at Southern Miss. That's it. I, I can't I can't Will uh, Hall oh, no, found one more. As I said that, uh Kane Wilmack. Is that South Alabama? Kane Wilmack Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Yeah, Wilmack Wednesdays. So that I believe is it though. We made it through the There we go. Bottom. Wow. You know, you do great things like a hump day update, and then you do whatever in the world this yeah, has been. Yeah, do terrible things like the, whatever goes. It's a, the downside of the hump. Right. We're riding a, a That's hump. That's true. Uh, and now we're on the other side of one. So we're in a, we're in a lull here. <laughs> That's brilliant. You are a genius. I like that. Coming up in the final hour of the show, Joe Barta will be here. We'll have a uh, fantasy football update to chat with you about from our friends over at Rotowire. We will also uh, have a nightly TV guide. We'll talk a little Auburn basketball, maybe, and more Auburn football. We want to hear from you. 334-887-3401 to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is JJ Jackson. I've got Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry here with me on Sports Call today. We have concluded... Hour number two. We're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, 
here inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on Wednesday, November 30th, 2022, the uh, final day in November. That's what that means. Tomorrow is December, and uh, yeah, our show's going to keep moving forward. Joe Bardo from Rotowire set to join us here in just a little bit. Let's give you a daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? A Daily Show Recap here today. Tom Peavy, what's happened on Sports Call today? Wow, man, a little bit of everything. Obviously, we've talked a little more about Hugh Freeze uh, coming in as Auburn Heads coach. We've been updating the staff uh it sounds like just about everybody on the staff is gone except for Cadillac. Uh, Zach Etheridge and Christian Robinson are don't know yet, but Caddy is still here. Pretty much everybody else is gone, though. Uh, discussed that. We've had our uh, Campbell Fighting Camels final final update, uh, the hump day update. We did the final one of those. Talked some uh, Super 7 football that's going on. The uh, Auburn High girls won the state title in the flag football. Auburn High football versus Thompson will take place tonight uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium at 7 o'clock. Yep. And you can hear that on 93.9. Starting at 630. Starting at 630. Uh, we have discussed uh, some options for Auburn at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And Brandon um, Marcello was on the show. We had Brandon Marcello on the show, so – Man, we've kind of we've we've hit a little bit of everything. It's been a busy day. We have we not tried yet. to name coaches with the name W. Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> have happened. not. We have not. We talked, did do we, that. We have not talked fantasy football, but that will be coming up shortly. <laughs> That's coming up here in just a little wait. bit. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation with Brandon Marcello. If you missed it, you can hear it again on our Sports Call podcast. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join Ice Cold Coca Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca Cola. Taste the feeling. Uh, talking about the coaching carousel, not only is Hugh Freeze here at Auburn, we mentioned in the state that uh, UAB hires Trent Dilfer to be their next head coach. Brandon Marcello felt like, uh, hey, Deion Sanders heading to Colorado. That he is, you know, on, on Sunday, that's kind of the big day that people are waiting for a decision to come from primetime. But uh, maybe it, Colorado's the stop. If I were that's Deion, uh, between those three schools, I would go USF. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the reason I, here, I would absolutely not go to Colorado. Uh-uh. Um, Colorado has. A, a, a hint of expectation. Um, it, it had its run in the 90s and uh, back when they were in the Big 12 was a, a relevant program. So they have a hint of expectation. Nothing like Nebraska uh, in either success nor expectation. But, again, a hint of expectation. Six and six might be cool at Kansas, Vanderbilt. Be like, oh my gosh, bowl game. That's not what they're going to say at six and six in Colorado. Secondly is... It is not a place that is very recruitable because um, they have a situation where the state of Colorado is just an okay high school football state, nothing special. Uh, You go up north, you're really going to get great players out of Montana, out of the Dakotas, out of Idaho. 
You, you know, they're just not great recruiting places. If you try and dip down in the Texas or go over towards California, you know, you're well behind the, the head honchos there. I mean, no one's going to go move from Southern California to go to Boulder, Colorado, with all due respect. Nope. Um, and so for their, from their standpoint, it was a, it's an absolutely no-brainer uh, to, to want. Deion Sanders, because if somebody could recruit that place, it'd be Deion. And so I completely understand from their point of view. But from his point of view, he should not be doing that. That is a very difficult job. I I think he's going to hurt his reputation. I think there's a chance of him hurting that reputation at Colorado. At South Florida, I think you could recruit at a big national level to South Florida like you were talking about, and you keep your reputation up. But I I don't know that he's going to be able to do enough at Colorado to – to save that reputation. Well, and, and uh, you know, I was moving on to Cincinnati next. And oh, what I was yeah. going to say is, is that Cincinnati, I could at least see because you move into the Big Twelve, so you do have Power Five. You don't have lofty expectations at first because Cincinnati will be new to the Power Five, and those schools typically are pretty patient when because they understand right. they're making a jump. A You're not going to have to go nine and three in year one, Cincinnati, for them to say, "Oh, good, you know, good stuff." They just want a constant trend over time. But as Tom was starting to get into, I think Colorado's the bad, Cincinnati's the okay, but South Ford's the good job here, even though it's the one that's not in the Power Five. Again, once we extend this playoff, there's different parameters and different rules uh, of the trade. And so six conferences get a playoff berth. Okay, there will still be access. It might not be as much access because there's not going to be really a time, I don't think, where one of these smaller conferences gets two teams in. I can't really see that happening. But but these conferences, for the first time, will have legitimate access, which means the, the top five conferences right now, as we all know, the Power Five, but then someone like the AAC. You know, maybe the Sun Belt can get up there and challenge the AAC as, as the, the premier group of five, so to speak. But the AAC has been, by far, the best group of five for several years now. There are times where they rival the worst of the Power Five. I mean, I, I've had conversations with you guys in the past when the Pac-12 was struck. And then I think you could project it onto the ACC this year. And how confident are you the ACC is a whole lot better than the AAC? Um, and, and so with South Florida, he's he loves that area. Okay, he he we all know he would covet the Florida State job because that's sure. where he's from. He's going to recruit well. There's a lot to recruit in Florida. Uh, while he's been at Jackson State here uh, in the state of Mississippi, you know he has continued and developed these relationships in this part of the country so even if it's not all from florida for him go up in the georgia go up in the carolinas come back to alabama mississippi he's got the relationships down in this part of the world so i think that he would be set success and the last point i want to make too why he can't afford to make the bad decision here is i think because of the the realm he's coming from from really not coaching at all to all of a sudden at jackson state and now uh, all of a sudden the fbs i don't think he's one of those guys that would get multiple opportunities at i think if he failed at a, at a decent sized job in the fbs i don't think he's getting another one you know i don't think anyone i think this is kind of a boom or bust you know if, if he succeeds at this job that he's going to take here on sunday and in three or four years he's going to get a big power five mm-hmm. job someone's going to take a big big haul at him right. but if he fails i think everyone's going to write off say yep he's just 
he's loud, he recruits, great for him, doesn't know how to coach. That's what they're going to write off as if he does not uh, succeed in this job. So it is a very important decision he is making for his own career, and so it cannot be Colorado against Cincinnati. It would be okay, but I do think the move for him is South Florida. When I think of football in Colorado and players to come from there, here's what I think of. The Carlson brothers, notably. Notably did not go to Colorado. At Auburn, but did not go to Colorado. (laughs) And then all of the McCaffreys. All of the McCaffreys uh, from Colorado. Because of Father Ed playing in Denver for a while. And then then being from Colorado himself. And then getting to play for his home state Broncos and... Um, yeah, that, that's it. I think of the McCaffreys and the Carlson. So unless you're a good football fan, and, and maybe I'm forgetting about people. Families that from, did not end up, uh, I mean, Ed did, but but families that did not end up playing for Colorado. <laughs> it's just, yeah, unless uh, you got more of those families running around that we don't know of. I don't know that the well, uh, still gotta go recruits are there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing is it's like you can't. You know, the, the best thing about Colorado, well, there's there's good things about the state of Colorado. Beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery. Denver is a good city. But big cities don't really matter in, in college football. I mean, big cities are not a draw for these kids. Um, if it were, you know, there'd be some great university in New York that would be just awesome in college football. And, you know, you, you would have all just all just like this pro sports, you'd have great great teams in chicago you'd have every la team would be a big deal you know and it's and it's not that way big cities are not really they don't really correlate to, to college success and so you can't really sell someone on no oh, you know Bol- i don't even know how far does anyone know how far boulder is from denver it's not very not far. Very, it's not, not far, far at all. So that, I mean, that's good, but but you can't. But my point is, you still can't even sell that because big minutes. cities, no, big cities no, are not relevant no, here. And so it's bad uh, up there in Colorado. I have one of my friends graduated from Colorado State, and he was like, "Yeah, they built this nice new stadium, and you know it looks good and everything." And he's like, "Dude, they just." don't care about football up here it's just not at least not college yeah at least not college he's like i mean obviously they care about the broncos but he's like in terms of college football he's like (coughs) you know i've never seen any of the student sections full at a rams game or a bus game like neither he's like so they they just don't care like that for college football it just is what it is he's like because he he loves auburn he's an auburn fan and uh he's like it's just not even close. Not relevant. Not yeah. even yeah. close to the same. Calais the, Campbell has been to love. six Pro Bowls. That's the best player uh, to be from. Well, that was a great player from yeah. uh, Colorado. Vincent well, Jackson. But he has didn't been go to, to Colorado though. Correct. Went to right. Miami. Didn't just he? Players born in Colorado. Right. And looking at the recruiting, what you can gotcha, do, and gotcha. that sort of thing in that area. Oh, those kids! Those kids up there are some athletes. There are freaks of nature up there, but. They don't. I mean, if they if you want to get some recognition and some real, right? You know. Well, I mean, that's why I said it's a moderate college football or, or excuse me, high school recruiting state because oh, they have you know, it's it's far above you know all their their states that border them pretty much. But then it's also not going to be above though all the big ones like California, New York, or excuse me, California, Texas, and, and Florida. But then even a state like Georgia, Alabama. Um, you know, t- maybe Tennessee, some of these states around here would be bigger. But for a state out west, you know, I guess it, it might be second, third, fourth, something, something in there. I, I don't know. I, I know Washington uh, has some pretty good high school high school football. The Seattle area is a, a good recruiting ground. Mm-hmm. But um, 
again, just just challenges for Colorado to actually succeed in the modern day of college football because of how interests have changed and how important it is for for fan bases to care and for cities that have big teams to care about something other than the NFL Where or NBA. will primetime go? Where will he go? Is he going to stay at Jackson State? Brendan Marcello thinks he's heading to Colorado. South Florida and Cincinnati would like to have a word as well. Let's take a break. Joe Bartle joins us next here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday. Uh, we're so thrilled to now go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our good friend. He's from Rotowire. His name is Joe Bartle, and he joins us each and every week to talk all things fantasy. Joe, how are you, buddy? How are things? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, fresh off a nice uh, holiday weekend, it's been good. And I mean, we have this is the pivotal point of the season uh, from a fantasy perspective. You got two weeks until the fantasy playoffs start for most people, uh, and you know, bye week still happening week 13 and week 14, which tough to maneuver in important situations like this. I certainly hope you and your family had an enjoyable Thanksgiving, Joe. I'd like to retroactively create some controversy with you, real quick, if you don't <laughs> mind. Uh, give me Absolutely. a uh, give me a hot take regarding Thanksgiving. Uh boy, a hot take regarding Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't think turkey is necessary. Okay. For, for the for the entire meal of Thanksgiving, that's the most I popular think... answer we've gotten, and I'm okay yeah, with I'm that. With you. Yeah, so maybe it's not a hot take anymore. I don't know. Like, I, I would even go as far as to say I'd rather do burgers and brats. Brats is more of a Wisconsin thing. But yeah, just like gr- some grilled meats and barbecue. Like nice. the whole idea of let's go have ham and turkey. I, I don't mind ham so much, but let's rethink the whole meal plan for Turkey uh, Day. And, and we'll, we can have all the sides, right? The the stuffing and the, the the yams and all that stuff. But the core function of Thanksgiving that meal, that meat meal, let's just uh, completely throw it out and pick whatever one of your major meats that you want and let's do that instead of the ham turkey combo does cranberry sauce make the waves up there in wisconsin yeah it's it's fine it's not like it's it's the thing for sure i think uh it, I would I would probably say it's more of like a, a bougie or ritzy uh, <laughs> side. So like we I, I, I go to like seven Thanksgivings every year. It's way too many. So much driving. I mean I get way too. I'm probably like fifteen pounds heavier uh, following this week. And there's two places that typically have the cranberry sauce. And I would I would uh, attribute it to that kind of side of. Uh, people who are putting out there nothing wrong with it but that's what it tends to be i I, i've definitely never thought about the brats as as a thanksgiving meal but man i love me some brats i'm just saying let's let's do like a let's tailgate for thanksgiving (laughs) that sounds good to me (laughs) i that would be the ideal thanksgiving and and now to be fair i would probably apply that to like halloween i I would just like a tailgate all the time for every holiday (laughs) possible uh but that would be my my ideal spread for thanksgiving 
we're setting you up for dinner here, Joe, with this uh, this conversation already, getting getting folks a little hungry. So, all right, fantasy football. We enter another week of the National Football League season. As you said, there are teams uh, that still have bye weeks in play here. Uh, and then there's a pretty prominent quarterback in the sport set to make his return into Sean Watson against his former team. How's this going to unfold? Yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously, the Browns against the Texans. Browns are a finger by seven, despite this being in Houston now. It's in part because the Texans are almost as bad as the Packers. I know record-wise it says differently, but my Packers are trying to do it the best they can to look at the Texans, who are 1-9-1. Uh, I, I, people are – this has been a conversation and been on fantasy radar for, boy, a month and a half now, because if you are uh, in a position of luxury, you've already picked up Deshaun Watson uh, as your QB2 or something to that effect, with the assumption that he's going to be the Deshaun Watson we saw two years ago. And my whole point has been – how do we know? I mean, he hasn't stepped on the field since 2020. How are we supposed to know what kind of quarterback he is? Uh, I know what we saw before, but now we have a new situation. He's two years more, uh, not, not that older makes a difference, but like, you're rusty on your reads. You literally haven't played a football game in two years, and we're saying he's immediately going to be a top five overall fantasy quarterback. I, I just completely disagree with that notion. Um, I'm a big basketball, basketball guy, too, so I think always back to the – Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Lakers. And I'm not sure if anyone remembers that because it was a one-year opposite of what the word wonder would be because they were so bad together. But if you remember, at the beginning of the season, the thought was, oh, my God, the Lakers are going to destroy everyone. They're going to be absolutely insane. Steve Nash will just have uh, alley-oops Dwight Howard the whole entire time. And it took so much chemistry for that team to get together, but they never really actually lived up to that hype. This is a team sport as well in football, and you have to have a chemistry angle as well, and you're going to have all these booing happening the entire season, not just this week. I, I just, I would sooner say Deshaun Watson is not a QB1 at any point the rest of the season than he's going to return to his form that we saw two years ago. I, I just don't believe the situation is going to be better at all for for him or any of the fantasy players like uh, Amari Cooper, for example. I mean, I was saying go ahead and get Amari Cooper everywhere, and he's been great up until this point. I have some concerns that it won't be just a one-for-one replacement. I know Watson is the better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett, but I don't think we'll see it to start. And uh, moving over to the AFC East, uh, looking at the Jets' offense, Mike White uh, taking over for Zach Wilson and doing very well against, obviously, a uh, not very good um Chicago Bears defense, um, but moving forward, where do you think that those receivers uh, that the Jets have, where do you think their ceiling is now? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Obviously, Garrett Wilson's rostered and probably started everywhere. That looked to be Mike White's favorite player, and rightfully so. I mean, the Jets play through their slot receiver quite a bit. Um, so whether it was Zach Wilson or Mike White, I know one was better than the other, certainly, but that is more or less their offense when they pass the balls to their slot receiver. That's why Elijah Moore was good last year, because he was their slot receiver now pushed to the outside. And I get that people want to get excited the fact that he got the touchdown with Mike White. I do think it's more like the Bears are just that bad than the Jets in particular are that good. The only issue is you look at their rest of the season schedule, they don't play a lot of really good teams against the pass. I know the Vikings are 9-2, and but they can absolutely be beat by passing the ball. They can get beat in any single way defensively. They're just not that good of a team. But that's who the Jets face basically the entire uh, next three or four weeks. And then you have the division to end the stretch. I think they have the Patriots and Dolphins on the schedule of the Bills. It was, it was two of those three to end the final two weeks. But up until that point, I think Mike White is going to be a guy that uh, not, not necessarily like guaranteed you could start him, but certainly if you're in a pinch or if you're in deeper leagues, I think he is a start moving forward because he is pretty good, and the Jets do have a decent amount of weapons. 
All right, Joe, uh, looking at your Packers, uh, obviously some questions right now with Aaron Rodgers uh, with the thumb break, the avulsion fracture, and then he goes out with a rib injury. Questionable right now, a good matchup uh, for him against the Bears if if he's able to play. Uh, if you're a fantasy owner of Aaron Rodgers, are, are you concerned uh, because he hasn't had the greatest of seasons and the injuries, or is he a guy that you just need to roll with because of the favorable matchup? Yeah, not too often do you get to uh, have the opportunity to start an owner of a team, but you have the opportunity to start the Aaron Rodgers, who owns the Bears, uh, this week, provided he's healthy. <laughs> yes, right. that is a, a bit of a setup for the joke. I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I was going to say, we don't have to talk about the Packers at all. It's fine. I, I might get angry at them and rant about them, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's nothing good, really, to say. This is a matchup of two really, really bad teams, uh, and it's going to be one of those who, who ends up being worse. And. I think if Justin Fields plays, the Bears will win. I actually feel very confident watching Jalen Hurts destroy the Packers, and Fields is more athletic. But Rodgers probably should do fine. Eddie Jackson, their uh, former All-Pro safety, was placed on injured reserve, might have uh, Liz Frank surgery, and that was their best secondary guy, at least more uh, veteran and developed. They've drafted a few guys like Jaquan Bershker and stuff like that, but their secondary is so young. Christian Watson has developed over the last three or four weeks. That's been good to see. It's possible Romeo Dobbs plays this week after missing the last four or five weeks with a high ankle strain. Uh, sprain. Rodgers should have most of his weapons back, and that's along with Cobb and Alan Lazard. This is probably the best pass-catching group Rodgers will have, and then he's done. I think even if they win this week, it doesn't matter. They'll be mathematically ruled out, and then you have Jordan Love the rest of the season, which as a fan of the Packers, like I am, I would rather see. But I understand why he's out there, and I think the franchise and Matt LaFleur Always it to play Aaron Rodgers for as long as he wants to play. Uh, I just think it'll be this week is the last week and maybe a swan song of sorts for him for fantasy managers. And looking at the tight end position, it, for fantasy, it just seems like it's been pretty rough this year uh, unless you have Travis Kelsey. Um, and now with the Falcons putting Kyle Pitts on IR, he's done for the rest of the season. Um, and I know I think you said earlier in the season that you were pretty high and you had him in mm-hmm. a lot of your leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously he hasn't been very productive on the field. But looking at the Falcons offense um, now, do, do you think that helps maybe open up some things for Drake London uh, in the passing game? And how do you how do you think and then maybe some replacements you could name um, just to pick up on the waiver wire now that Kyle Pitts is, is done for the season? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there just is not anybody on the waiver wire to speak of. Not not anybody like a a difference maker that can win you your matchup like an Amonara St. Brown last year or something like that. So I think I read a stat. I'm going to probably quote it incorrectly, but more or less the point. So it was discussing who are your fantasy MVPs to date. Um, Josh Jacobs with the number one fantasy running, running back score. Jalen Hurts with the quarterback score. And then Travis Kelsey tight end. Jacobs and Hertz, relative to the second person in fantasy points, were somewhere in the 5% to 10% range higher than the second-place score. Okay, that was pretty good. And Obviously, with Jacobs last week winning the game to the Raiders, he's, he's on everyone's mind, and rightfully so. He's been very consistent this year. Kelsey, I think, is 70% higher than the second tight end. It literally Goodness. is Travis Kelsey and nobody else at tight end. And Mark yeah. Andrews has been fine. He's been healthy. But, like, I mean, I, I knew Kelsey was doing good, and like you mentioned, he was too. But to that level, it really is kind of insane. So that's the actual positive, if you could say it that way, is that there's 11 other tight ends that are exactly the same kind of crap 
that you're starting. It, it, unless you are going against Travis Kelsey, you are more or less having the same tight end each and every week that's out there. I think there's guys that have possibilities to do well. Cole Komet has been um, really working in favor with Justin Fields when Fields has been healthy, okay. Um, I, I really kind of like Daniel Bellinger, who should be coming off the injured reserve, uh, hopefully this week or next week after uh, rupturing, or not rupturing, breaking his eye socket earlier this season. He was kind of a touchdown threat for the Giants, who are sorely missing pass catchers. But that's the thing. The Daniel Bellingers and Cole Komets are no different than, uh, I don't know, the Mark Andrews, not necessarily, but Zach Ertz was tight end five. Well, he's on injured reserve. Kyle Pitts, like you mentioned, he's on injured reserve. Uh, I don't know. It's, it is such a tough spot uh, that I don't think there really is an advantage that you're getting unless you have Kelsey and Andrews and Hawkinson, who are uh, certainly way different than what Kelsey's been playing this year. Joe Bartle works for RotoWire, and he joins us here on Sports Call. You can follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports for all your fantasy football and, frankly, fantasy sports needs. Uh, let's continue talking about the NFL ahead of this week's matchups. Uh, Jamar Chase, the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, says that he didn't play last week out of uh, as a precaution. We haven't seen him on the field since October 23rd. What are you hearing about Jamar Chase? Will he be effective when he comes back let's talk about the cincinnati star wide receiver yeah limited practice wednesday which is a good sign um now the teams can kind of fudge that especially earlier in the week so long as you're more or less representing what they're doing nfl is not going to care it's when they come down on bill belichick after lying about certain things uh on the injury report when it becomes an issue i anticipate he will play this week it sounded like he was close to playing last week like you mentioned and they just didn't feel like they needed to whatever else fine I think the Bengals have bigger aspirations, so making sure you have Jamar Chase healthy as he possibly can be at this point in the season is the end game objective. I think they bring him back though, regardless of this week, because they need as much offensive firepower as they can get going against the Chiefs, who, despite traveling to Cincinnati, are favored by two points. The over/under at fifty-two and a half points is the highest one on the uh, on the slate for Week Thirteen, and for good reason. So I think Chase plays this week. The bigger question will be Joe Mixon, who missed last week with a concussion. Um, you were able to get Samaje P. Ryan to at least be a functional running back one or running back two if you were able to get him off of waiver wires for this week. But that, that Mixon was a limited participant in this practice as well, too, would indicate to me that he will also be available to play. So you're going to have the Bengals' full arsenal of pass catchers and offense weapons available in what should be a really, really good game. Talking about NFL matchups, tomorrow we see the Patriots take on the Bills in Thursday Night Football. What's intriguing about this? Yeah, that's an actually good game. Uh, that might be the first one in yeah. a long time for Thursday Night Football. And I can say that because my Packers got destroyed by the Titans a couple weeks ago. That was not a fun game, nor a good game. Um, I'm really in- interested in what the Bills are able to do adjustment-wise against the Patriots, who have been one of the better teams over the course of Josh Allen's tenure with the Bills at stopping his dual-threat capabilities. Now, it's not like Josh Allen never runs against the Patriots, but they're so disciplined on their rush lanes. And when you're able to do that, you have a secondary that can more or less lock down. But this is not the secondary that has Stephon Gilmore uh, and J.C. Jackson in the world. This is as limited defensively as the, as the Patriots have been over some time. Can they contain Stephon Diggs? And if they do, does that mean Gabe Davis and maybe Isaiah McKenzie get open? I'd like, I really believe the Bills are one of the best teams in the league despite their 8-3 and three record. It's not like it's the Chiefs 9-2 or the Eagles and Vikings are right up there. I think the Bills are certainly better than most of those. And it's if their pieces can all click together, that really becomes the issue for me. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost like the Bills play, like, hey, it's the regular season. Uh, we don't want to put too much, too much on tape. Not that they're pulling punches or anything like that, but we haven't really seen this Bills offense truly unlocked over the last month, and I just think there's too much talent 
uh, and too much good coaching for that to be a consistent issue. So that's why I, I'm most interested to see how the Bills can really uh, threaten the Patriots' defense. I don't think there's much the Patriots' offense can necessarily do. I know they look fine against the Vikings on Thursday. Uh, I just will say the Vikings' defense is not good. I think the Bills' defense is much better, even if they miss Von Miller. Do you think all four teams from the NFC East are going to make the playoffs? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, this is in part because the NFC overall is just so bad. I mean, you might have the Buccaneers with a losing record in the NFC uh, win, win a playoff spot, which is crazy to think whether the Buccaneers are just as bad as they are as opposed to the South being a bad division overall. I, I, don't, I don't think the Commanders or Giants are real, and yet I look at the rest of the NFC and it's like, I don't know, who... Who's supposed to jump in? The Seahawks or 49ers? Maybe one of those two spots. Certainly nobody from the NFC North. I, I think it's very possible that you have all four teams, and there are at least three. I think I feel very certain three of the NFC East are going to make it in, uh, and it'll be really close to the fourth team, whether or not they're able to also jump. I think it's going to be the Giants or uh, Commanders, and I would lean towards the Commanders, but uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, they have a bye week yet to come, too. I think they're week 14, so we'll have to see uh, what really shakes out with that. Tell me about the podcast that you've got coming out this week, and I know there's the SiriusXM show uh, coming up as well. So give us a preview, Joe. Yeah, so, well, I guess this past week, uh, or sorry, on Tuesday, we discussed the waiver wire pickups, and it was actually kind of a hard one, and I I feel like we we don't normally do this cop-out thing where we don't quite answer everything, but there truly was three or four backfield situations, the Jets being one of them with Michael Carter not having the dreaded high ankle sprain, but an ankle sprain nevertheless. Well, they had Donovan Knight. They had uh, Ty Johnson. It's possible James Robinson comes back after being a healthy and active. That could all complicate things. And if you get the right one, that's a running back, too, at minimum against the Vikings this week. Then there's the Steelers on Monday night. They had Najee Harris leave. Benny Snell was doing well. That's only because Jalen Warren didn't play. That's a complicated situation, too. And then the Jaguars, which are Michael Hasty uh, playing over Travis Etienne, who downplayed his injury, too. There's a lot of names that could make an impact, but we need to have the situation to develop. Unfortunately, you do the podcast on Tuesday. You can't really see that stuff. I would be uh, very interested to see what happens Thursday and Friday with injury reports in regards to that backfield. So we cover that every week with the Wave Wire podcast. Just search uh, Rotowire Fantasy Football, and uh, we, we have that on Tuesdays. And SiriusXM, Channel 88, uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, getting you set for all the week previews. I think this is actually a good slate of NFL games. I'm excited to discuss them. And the upcoming month of December, I'm going to be filling in quite a bit as everyone's doing their holiday rundowns and whatnot. So uh, you'll catch me not just on Fridays, but also uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and ensuing weeks as well, too. How about that? Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports and listen to him on Sirius XM as well. We started talking about Thanksgiving, so let's move on to the next holiday to get you out of here. Tomorrow is December, so when does Joe Bartle start gift shopping? <laughs> uh, December 23rd. Good choice. Okay. Yeah. I'm typically right there with you, man. Yeah, I mean, we, I try to do the best I can uh, preparing. It's just time. I mean, this is. And we let ourselves down every place. year, don't we? We're like, this yeah. is going to be a different year. We'll start earlier, and the next thing you know, we got 48 hours to get this thing done. Exactly, exactly. We'll, we'll try to be better, but uh, I make no promises to anyone. <laughs> Thanks for the time, Joe. We'll talk again next week, okay? All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. That's uh, Joe Bartle joining us there on the program. Are you guys disappointed with how quickly or not quickly you get to holiday shopping as well? I tell myself I'm going to be way better. Uh, And the next thing you know, you start traveling, trying to get to the right place. And I'm like, well, that didn't go according to plan. I'm in scramble mode. I usually get mine done in a pretty decent time. Yeah. Um, Like the ones that I, the ones that I know, like 
either you know i have a list like from my sister and her husband and my girlfriend you know and things like that so i kind of have an idea it's the ones like my parents like man i gotta that's the one i was like i'm trying to figure out what i what i need to get them yeah Yeah, and that that's where that ends up stretching down to the last second because usually the ones if i already kind of know then i just jump online and order it and bam it's done i don't know i'm pretty efficient I'm just gonna you get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I'm not usually stressing. I ain't going out there a day or two before, but I'm also I'm also not going out there a month early either. So my parents, they they're probably done already, right. honestly. Um, but yeah, no, I I get it done when I get it done. Efficiency. Yeah, a little, little ambiguous there, but yeah. I like it. Uh, all right, we got to take our final timeout of today's show. Our thanks again to Joe Bartle for joining us. Really fun conversation with him. We'll take a break. We're back after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Thought a few moments here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom, Ryan, and Cam. Good show. Good Wednesday. Got it done. Our thanks again to uh, Joe Bartle for joining us on the program as well. Really, really enjoy our conversations with him each and every week. It's getting to be playoff time for a lot of people in the fantasy football world. Yeah. So uh, buckle up. Fighting for my life in my money league right now. Get ready for it, man. <laughs> Make smart decisions. I'm trying. And hopefully your uh, your players on your fantasy team have great performances this upcoming week our thanks again to joe for stopping by and as always uh, those conversations are archived within our sports call podcast to close out the show today we do it every day here's your nightly tv guy our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide all right it is our nightly tv guide and it's brought to you by our friends over at White Claw, stop by your local TK's convenience store and pick up a variety pack of White Claw today. I really think you'll be pleased by making that decision. Coming up tonight on television, the Sabres are at the Red Wings in NHL action at 6 o'clock on TNT. And then the Oilers are at the Blackhawks at 8.30 on TNT. Two games in the NBA on television tonight. The Miami Heat travel to take on the Boston Celtics on NBA TV at 6.30. 9.30 tonight. The Trailblazers are in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. Almost said Staples Center. That would have been incorrect. Uh, That game at 9.30 on NBA TV. And then tonight... Tons of college basketball. We have the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Number 25, Ohio State, is inside Cameron Indoor Stadium taking on number 17, Duke, on ESPN at 615. Number 5, Purdue, at Florida State at 615 on ESPN2. Florida State off to a 1-7 start this season. 
Not good. Florida State's been relatively a well, really good program true. the last few years. They're one and seven this year, and now the number five team in the country in Purdue comes to take on the Seminoles. Rutgers Won't go is well. at Miami <laughs> at six fifteen on ESPNU. Number twenty Michigan State is at Notre Dame at eight fifteen on ESPN two. And then a top 20 matchup. Number 18, North Carolina, is at number 10, Indiana. The Tar Heels versus the Hoosiers. That game is at 8-15 on ESPN. And that is your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. What a show today. Really enjoyed it. Also, uh... At uh, 7 o'clock on television, on Alabama Public Television. I'm not sure what channel it is, but you will be able to watch the Auburn High School Tigers against Thompson in the Super 7 State Championship game from Jordan-Hare Stadium. If you can't watch it on TV, you can listen to that game on 93.9 WQSI. 6.30 airtime, game 7 o'clock. So uh, either listen to the Auburn High Tigers on the radio or watch them on TV. Coming up tonight, that's Cheer for sure. Cheer them on, state title time. We're back on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Cam, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Ryan, appreciate you stopping by. Enjoyed it, man. Tom, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to Cam Berry, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.